Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeBone, and this is a happy, hippie place for talking all things magic, witches and fiction, and creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 432 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the groovy, yes my friends, groovy is the new word, the word of 2020. I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that for free at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where... I will also, I'll have a few links for you, a few show notes for you there today. We're doing a patron of the month thing today. So there'll be a couple of links to Phoebe Miller, who is our patron of the month. And then just a couple other things that I'll probably end up mentioning while I sit here rambling at you as I do, as I do. Speaking of Patreon, thank you so much for those of you who help me keep a roof over the kid and I's head, my head. How do you say that? Kid in my head? My head. A roof over my head. A roof over my head as well as my kids. I appreciate it. And my three cats. <laughs> Thank you all so much. If you are on Patreon, make sure that you hook your account over, hook it up over on Discord so you can do the live chats with us all because that's a really fun part of of being a patron of the Hippie Witch Podcast. And I want to give a shout out to new patrons, Holly, Gabrielle Perizzo, and Sprouty. How cute is that, Sprouty? Hello. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I also want to let everyone know that if you are on the Queen newsletter list, that is going to be active again because I am relaunching Queen in the new year. You'll know you're on the list if you signed up for the three, the free three videos, the video series. You are a queen. If you signed up, if you watched those three videos and you did not unsubscribe, then you will get this whole yay, we're relaunching the program. It's going to be relaunched as an evergreen. But the reason that I'm telling you to pay attention to your email right now is that the first week only, there is going to be a deep discount before I set that to automated evergreen and you can get it anytime you want but if you want the discount if you want to launch the next decade of your life feeling like a badass queen this is your moment if you don't know what you are a queen is the free video series that I created there will be a link you can sign up for it that way. I think the video series in and of itself is valuable, that you'll get a lot of value out of it just for doing that series. But then you will, until you unsubscribe, be on my list. So you'll be getting the, hey now, hey now, <laughs> one week only messages from me about this new launch that I'm very excited about because queen, all the things. Also, we're doing a little bit of, sorry, we're doing a little housekeeping here this morning because this morning, what time is it for you? I don't know. It could be afternoon. It could be evening. 
It's 8.07 p.m. right now as I'm recording this, so I don't even know why I said morning. I think because I feel very frantic slash manic slash get it all in, get it all done by the end of the year all of a sudden. I had a few unavoidable setbacks in the last week. It was supposed to be like my chill time, but I got snowed in to Bakersfield, which is very weird because I live in Southern California, but there is like a little mountain range between LA and Bakersfield. And I got snowed in. I missed Thanksgiving because the grapevine, it's a stretch of the five freeway here in California. The grapevine was closed on Thanksgiving. So I missed Thanksgiving with my family. And then we made it to Christmas, but then the roads were closed for two days. Two days. <laughs> I was stuck in Bakersfield and trying to get home. And then just a bunch of weird little unavoidable things happened. I was really worried about my cats. I'm just going to ramble at you. Is that okay? Are you in the mood to ramble? I can't seem to help myself. I have to tell you about what one of my cats did. <laughs> I was really worried about getting home because I left them enough food and water to be home overnight. And then always I leave a little bit of extra too. And then I put litter boxes, extra litter boxes around the house to prevent anyone from having an accident. But I did not anticipate the second day that I wouldn't be there. I was particularly worried about old man Stan, my old man Stanley. But when I got home, everybody was okay. There was still a little bit of water and food left. So that made me feel good. And then like two days later, I did this massive deep clean of my house like you do because things get a little chaotic around Christmas time. And I was in this one corner of my living room. I do not know how I did not see this before, but I looked down and there's like dirt everywhere. <laughs> and my dad had gotten me this really big pot. It's way too heavy for me to pick up like a big pottery pot, a pottery pot, huge really cool ceramic situation like I don't know if I put my arms out in front of me to make a hoop it would be about that big around if you can picture that <laughs> it's huge and there's this plant that grows on the island St. Croix that he put planted for me in this plant and it sits in this corner of my living room or it used to <laughs> until I know who did this I know exactly who did this someone decided to use it as an extra litter box. So when I found the pile of dirt, the plants were dead. They had been kicked out of the dirt. They were already kind of on their way out because they're supposed to be living in the Caribbean and not in Glendale, California. So I was having a hard time keeping them alive. And Vesper, that little fancy feast of a foofer, dug out those plants and pooped in my pot. Can you believe it? <laughs> so that was delightful. That was absolutely delightful. And that is not at all what I meant to tell you right now. What I wanted to tell you is that I am taking the podcast seasonally. We're going to move by the wheel of the year. And the way that I have decided to do this it will roughly be every six weeks on, six weeks off, six weeks on, six weeks off. I say roughly because I'm going to be following the wheel of the year. So the first new season will start around Imolk, which I happen to love. I, I call this spring transition. I really like those cross-quarter days. So a lot of people focus on 
winter solstice, summer solstice, and then the two equinoxes. That forms like the main cross of the wheel of the year. But I really, I'm not a Wiccan, but I do appreciate me a Wiccan wheel of the year with the full eight spokes. And I usually call those transitions. So spring transition is in between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And I see that as a time to reflect on the season that's on its way out and make the most of it kind of in this memento mori spirit like this too shall pass and look it's already halfway over so enjoy this time this is the last time you will experience you know this particular winter and then also it's about preparing like spring is coming so there's a bit of anticipation built in particularly if you live in a place where it's very cold and snowy and you're like please god when will the spring come (laughs) I like those transitions I find that those are I don't know if they're my favorites but I love them so I'm going to be doing the podcast during those transitions, which I think is kind of cool. And then I'm going to end up doing little bonus episodes during the hiatuses in between because I want to stay consistent with the patron of the month interviews. And we have one today. We have one today. I'm really pleased to be ending 2019 with a chat with my friend Phoebe Miller she is, she's a cornerstone. Can a person be a cornerstone? I'm going to say it. I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but in my mind, she's a cornerstone of the hippie witch community. She's been around for years. She's a really supportive, wise, interesting person. And this is definitely not her, her forte. She's not super like chatty and bubbly and like, yes, I'm coming on to promote a thing. It's not like that at all. But she let me drag her onto the show, and I'm very pleased about that. And I really enjoy doing these Patron of the Month interviews. I just think it's fun to get to know the community. Beside, you know, the thought leaders and the authors and the creators, there's this awesome, awesome witchy community that I've gotten to know behind the scenes. So it's always fun to, like, push some of those people to the front of the line and give them a chance to, you know, share what they got, show what they know. So there's that. Uh, I'm thinking I really was going to do like a whole decade in review. I just got so overwhelming and I don't know how much you want to hear about me. I mean, I just talked about my cat pooping in a pot. How exciting is that? Are you thrilled or are you thrilled? (laughs) But I... I have some thoughts. I wanted to be useful somehow to you because there's just all these videos and podcasts and blog posts and programs for rocking the next decade of your life. And I don't want to be more noise on top of that. So I was like, how can I distill this down to just like a couple of tips that might be helpful to you perhaps? focus on you here for a minute. So speaking of minutes, the main tip that I would share that I think is deceptively life-changing. It seems like such a small thing at first, but I have built my life on this, particularly in the last decade, which is why I want to share this tip with you. And it is 
It's the power of a 15-minute daily habit. I think I'm really into the power of habits. I've become very Saturnian the older I get. I'm really interested in taking the long view and how you can achieve amazing things through Yes, magic, of course, but also meeting the universe halfway with daily consistent actions with persistence and resilience and, you know, all the shadow work and things that we do. I think it's that is to keep us from not sabotaging ourselves. That's to create clarity. That's to... You know, when we notice we're getting in our own way, to knock it off, to keep going forward, to stay on the path. I see all of these spiritual tools kind of as a way to, you know, first get that clarity that I mentioned, and then also to develop a sense of persistence and discipline because you know thyself, which you've gotten in touch with who you are and you know when you're starting to get off track or when you're creating unnecessary chaos and things like that. Having said that, I also think that the new year is a time when people get a little bit overwhelmed. They freak themselves out because they like, ah, they want to do all the things or they get really aware of how far they are from the goals they want to achieve or as I call it, creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. <laughs> and I have really come to find that you can create the kick-ass life of your dreams one 15-minute increment at a time. And so the way I would do this, if, if I were to... If I were to impart this wisdom to you, I would say pick one goal that's really important to you. Your most important New Year resolution. You know, identify if, if there is a goal related to the kick-ass life of your dreams. Like, identify that and then see if you can also identify one 15-minute habit that will get you closer, even in a tiny incremental way, to its achievement with daily consistency over a long period of time. Identify what that thing is and then do it every day, every day. So if you, if you feel like you would be making an improvement to your mental health, if it's something that is a part of your plan, like your wellness plan, mental health, personal development, if you're like, I need to get more sleep or I need to get up earlier, that's something that you can spend like four months putting in place. So if you want to get up an hour earlier, the first month, you just get up 15 minutes earlier. It doesn't hurt at all. You barely notice. And then the next month, you get up 15 minutes earlier. And then the next, and then the next. And four months into the situation, you're getting up an hour early, earlier than you used to, and you didn't even feel a thing. The same works on the other end if you need to get more sleep. Because habits are hard to break and sometimes I feel like we can treat ourselves like children's and children's <laughs> treat ourselves like children's and get more done. It seems like moving more slowly, like just get up the hour earlier, Bozo. What are you doing? You don't need four months to put this habit in place, but some of us do, okay? <laughs> 
We resist change. I, I don't know what that is about human beings, but many of us tend to resist change. And I find it's just more sustainable when you kind of sneak up on yourself like that and trick yourself into it and you don't really feel it so much. The same is true of working out. If you are incredibly out of shape, but you've got that Pinterest fitness board with the girls with the buns of steel and the rock hard abs and you're like, I want to look like that. Well, how do you get from there to here if you're not working out at all? If you're just an internet surfing couch potato and a pair of sweatpants, you do it with 15 minute workouts. And a person who really drove this home for me is Betty Rocker with her make fat cry challenge. <laughs> I, I don't know if she still runs it, but it's a 30 day program that's free that you, you used to be able to sign up for. Her name is Betty Rocker. So just Google Betty Rocker and make fat cry challenge and see if it comes up. But every day for 30 days in your email inbox, you get a new 15 minute workout. And let me tell you, in 30 days, you will be in such I won't say great shape because it depends on where you started from, but you will be in significantly better shape than when you started from. And it really demonstrates the power of what a 15-minute change can do. You can do that 15-minute little increment, add it to your day to garden, to meditate, to clean, to write a book. Yes, you can write a book in 15 minutes a day. If you are one of these people who thinks, I don't have enough time, to write a book, it might take you a whole year to write a novella that way. But guess what? If you are constantly making the excuse that you don't have enough time, I feel like maybe you could find 15 minutes in your day. And and that's a slow, Capricorn-y, kind of Saturnian way to go about it. But you could get it done. And then you might find that the satisfaction of having written that novella in a year in these 15-minute daily increments creates some momentum and empowers you to then be like, all right, I'm going to do this for two hours a day. I'm not saying, you know, it would be a 15-minute habit for life. I'm saying that's enough of a first step to get some real momentum going and to really change your life. You can read more books in 15 minutes a day. You can read more books with your kids to deepen your relationship if you're a parent or toss a ball around in the yard with them if that's more your thing or bake or garden with them. You know, 15 minutes a day devoted entirely to something like that can make such a difference in a kid's life in a way that will shape who they are as adults when they grow up, who, who they're going to turn out to be. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot of time, but that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a lot of time. But if you do anything for consistently, consistency is the key. But if you do it with a lot of intention and a lot of focus for those concentrated 15 minutes, it's amazing what you can get done. And I always use a timer just set a timer on your phone. This works again. If you're if you're doing something with kids, you can be like, we have 15 minutes. You have my complete undivided attention. I'm not going to check the internet. I'm not going to lecture you about anything. Whatever you want to do for 15 minutes, this time is yours. You want to do a puzzle? You want to go on a walk? You tell me. When the timer goes off, I have to go back to work. But for 15 minutes, you've got me. And then you can do that for yourself as well if it's just like a personal goal that you're working on. And 
I find, for me, this is how it works, I find that sets me free, knowing that the timer is going to go off, so I don't have to keep checking the clock. It allows me to go deep into the activity right away, and then and then hang with it so I get the full 15 minutes. So this would apply to practicing any new skill as well. And I have just hammered this in. <laughs> You're like, we get it, Joe. 15 minute increments, yes. Yes, I'm also, if, you, if you're not on my newsletter list or if your email inbox is so bombarded with newsletters that you didn't open my last newsletter, I will link here too in the show notes to, I shared this in the last newsletter. It is, it's just a little freebie for you all because I love you. I did Vlogmas over on Patreon and then I picked the most popular vlog there to set to public so anybody could see it and it was a video that I did on time management tips. And I, yes, I will be talking about my timer if you watch that video again, because I'm obsessed with it. And so if you like that kind of thing, there's a video as well. Very casual, as I do. I'm a casual kind of witch. That's how I roll. And I talk also about, in that video, blinders of sacrifice, which is something that was really important for me in 2019 and I think is going to be really important for me personally in 2020. And I wanted to talk just briefly about that here as well because if you're the kind of person like me who has a really big dream, like the kind of dream it's almost embarrassing to tell other people because it's just so ambitious and, you know, only the lucky few get to achieve this you know, huge dream, but you are determined to be one of those lucky few. You have to do things that I think require the blinders of sacrifice. You have to sacrifice what other people would deem to be your priorities. People will think you should be doing this with your time instead of spending four hours locked in your room practicing badly the tuba because you want to be the world's greatest tuba player like what are you doing with your life you're wasting your time <laughs> that kind of dream I think the blinders of sacrifice it's when you are sacrificing anything for me I had to really sacrifice the time that I spend growing my business marketing my business really putting in the extra effort to create new programs and things like that because I wanted to finish my novel so that I could finally kick off a second career as a novelist. And I'm very pleased I did that. And it was difficult because I felt kind of this nagging voice in my head that was like, people are going to go away, Joe, if you're not all up in their business on social media all the time, if you're not constantly putting out new product, if you're not constantly keeping it going, everybody's going to go away. Like that's a worry that us creators have. And I just had to have faith that that was not going to happen. You know, it's important that I pay my bills. This is serious business here. <laughs> but also it's just very important to me that I achieve this dream and that I create the second career as a novelist, which was really my supposed to be my first career. They've flip-flopped somehow, but I'm really grateful now that I can pay my bills. But anyway, I had to put the blinders of sacrifice on. I had to be like, well, I am sacrificing 
business growth this year so that I can spend all of these hours and hours and hours and hours getting a submittable manuscript ready. And then in 2020, I'm going to have to keep going in that train, which is why I'm going to take the podcast seasonally and have these long hiatuses in between seasons. I don't think they'll be that long with the Patreon of the month or the Patron of the month interviews going up once a month. I think it'll be cool. It'll be fine. But that's, I feel that way, I think, because I put those blinders of sacrifice on. Am I making sense or do you have to have seen the video where I actually explain what the blinders of sacrifice are to get what I'm saying right now. I don't know. But my point is, if you have a really outlandish dream, you have to spend a lot of time doing things that seem unproductive. They are not immediately rewarding. The only reward that you're going to get is the satisfaction of a good practice, a good workout, a good writing session, whatever it is for you. Hopefully you love what you do because there's nobody being like, good job. You're not getting a paycheck. There is no compensation outside of whatever joy you can get in the moment of doing the thing. And you might, you know, if you want to be successful, you're going to be prioritizing that unproductive behavior day after day after day. And then that's when your family starts making weird little comments and your friends are like, why can't you hang out with us again? <laughs> what are you doing in that room playing that tuba? It's weird. But it's the people who do that. It's the people who lock themselves in the room for four hours a day playing tuba badly. I don't know why I'm talking about playing tuba. I just think it's a funny word, I guess. <laughs> and it's just a very like obscure, random thing to talk about. But, uh, or example, I should say. But, you know, it's, it's those people that lock themselves away day after day after day doing that that you know, all the naysayers crawl out of the woodwork and your family thinks you're a big old loser because you're not bringing in the big bucks. But then you develop a certain skill level and you break through and you achieve that dream. And then they want to come around and be like, I knew it the whole time. I always believed in you. <laughs> and you're like, did you though? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember you pushing sandwiches under the door when I was playing my tuba. <laughs> I feel like I got a few lectures about what are you doing with your life. So that's that. That's that. The, the third thing I would recommend for like rocking the next decade of your life is to pick a word of the year. I don't know why this works so well for me, but I have found it to be so valuable to pick a word. I usually feel like the word picks me. That's how the queen program exists. The word queen picked me one year and I was just so into it that by the end of that year, I had learned so much. I wanted to share what I learned and that's how I ended up creating that program. This year, my word of the year was leap. So it was a leap year. <laughs> and wow, I find every single year with the word of the year, it's just so instructive. If you hang with it. If you really work with the word of the year, it will work with you. Like you will see themes related to your word come up again and again and again, and you will see a transformation on theme with that word unfold. 
And that's just how it's been for me. I know a lot of friends that do this as well, and that's how it's been for them. And I think for me, leap, it was just largely about taking a leap of faith so I could put those blinders of sacrifice on and make this dream happen for myself. But then there were so many small but profound leaps that I took little challenges. I think the first half of 2019 was exceptionally hard for me, unexpectedly and personally. And so it required a lot of leaps of faith to get through it. And then the second half completely rocked and I loved it. I loved my blinders of sacrifice. <laughs> I really liked it. I guess what I'm saying, blinders of sacrifice, I'm thinking of horses. You know how they'll put those blinders on so horses don't get scared if they see something in their peripheral vision. I think you don't want to get scared and you also don't want to like wander off like in all these different random chaotic directions. You just want to look straight ahead and keep moving forward. So while what you are doing may be unproductive in terms of paying your bills or getting awards or getting validation from your friends and family, it's productive in the long run. Like you know what you're doing and you're staying on path and it builds a lot of resilience and self-confidence, I think. And I do think there's something about working with one word of the year. Some people do this with tarot cards. They'll do, you know, pick a tarot card of the year and work with the card. I think there's something very instructive about that as well. So my word of the year, I, I already mentioned it. I don't know if you caught that at the beginning, but my word of the year for 2020 is groovy. I have a whole soundtrack <laughs> of songs that use the word groove or groovy in it. Uh, in them and then uh, like I have some supporting core desired feelings easy lucky blessed that's how I want to feel I don't want to feel like I'm striving or pushing or making things happen or stressing out I just want to feel groovy easy going laid back but also there's this component of being lucky and blessed because I find when you're in the flow when you're open to synchronicity, magic, spiritual guidance, it shows up. If you are pushing really, really hard, this is kind of the paradox, I think, of creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. You want to put a lot of intention behind it. You know, here I am talking about these 15-minute segments every single day of effort in addition to whatever else you're doing and moving forward with the blinders of sacrifice you want to have that effort, but at the same time, magic happens when you let go. It makes space for spirit to step in and for there to be this kind of spiritual partnership happens and synchronicity starts really showing up for you. And so, yeah, I'm going to have a groovy year, which probably means... There's going to be some surprising twists and turns. There always, there always are surprising twists and turns. And also, when I pick a word of the year, I think it means one thing. And then by the end of the year, it either means something else entirely different or it's just much more layered, more dimensional than I originally thought it was. So I think groovy, groovy, feeling groovy. I think that will unfold for me 
as 2020 goes on. And if I have any cool insights, I will definitely share them with you. I really don't want to bore you with my personal decade in review. So I think I just want to hit the high points. But I do really love all of the energy that I see online around people doing their decades in review and looking forward to the next decade. Because I think when it comes to creating the kick-ass life of your dreams, that that is... Another paradox, because I think when you think long term, it's amazing what you can achieve in a decade or how much can change in a decade. Like if you look back to where you were 10 years ago, it's probably pretty remarkable where you are now. For better or worse, things have probably changed. So I think that is a significant thing to consider and to make really long-term plans while keeping in mind that whole joke about if you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. <laughs> you know, It's like it's good to have a plan, but also stay flexible because things are going to go wrong, right? But then the paradox that I see is I also like taking things very incrementally. Like I was saying, you know, 15 minutes, little 15 minutes. I love me a 12-week year. I, I took a little break from the 12-week year, but I did a couple more at the end of this last year. If you missed all of that conversation, I was really hot on Saturn for a while. I think Saturn is going to be a lifelong guide for me, like Athena is. I think Athena is my girl and Saturn is my guy. I just get a lot of strength and confidence and power from working with those archetypes. And for me, Saturn has been... It's become synonymous with this system. It's based on a book called The 12 Week Year in which every week of a 12 week year is supposed to be a month. So it just creates this really hyper focused sense of productivity. It's basically taking your life quarterly instead of year by year. But I find if you actually do it, with some focus that you can get a lot of shit done. <laughs> so I love the whole decade and review situation, making long-term goals like that for the decade ahead, but then also breaking it down into small digestible chunks. I feel like both are really helpful. When I look back on the last decade of my life, it really started in tragedy for me personally heartbreak. It was definitely a tower moment that launched me in to this decade. And then my first impulse when I was thinking about like, how would I describe this last decade? It was to be like, oh, it was really like the phoenix rising from the ashes. And, you know, it, it, it was the rise. And it's only just now that my, my fiery wings are like, whoop, whoop and opening up like sails and I'm really feeling confident and like I'm flying. But truth be told, I don't think it was that glamorous <laughs> or magical. I think it was the decade of the mountain goat. Speaking of Saturn, it was just a long rocky climb up a steep hill. I knew where I wanted to get and I got there one little step at a time. It was, it was, it was a climb. It was it was a climb and I think 
the Hippie Witch podcast documented a lot of that climb, which is really interesting because a lot of you went on that journey with me. You had climbs of your own. We were climbing together. (laughs) And when you know you're not alone, you can do amazing things. And I think that's what having a tribe around this podcast has done for me, just to be able to do the coaching calls with other people who have dreams and obstacles that they're working on, to have a community behind the scenes, first on Facebook and now on Patreon and Discord. It's just given me a sense of community. Like, okay, fine, I'm a mountain goat. I'm climbing this rocky cliff by myself, kind of. But if I look over to the left of me, there's another goat right over there. (laughs) And we could cheer each other on. Is this too metaphorical? I don't know. It's doing something for me. (laughs) So there are four main developments from the decade of the mountain goat that I wanted to share with you. One, it was very much about relationships. So reconnecting with my family and creating brand new friendships, better friendships, good friendships, nurturing friendships, healing friendships, relationships, good relationships. It was a year of that. Launching and building my biz is definitely another thing that was really really significant and important maybe the thing i will always remember it for finalizing the world's longest divorce which it was that heartbreak and that tower moment that launched me into the decade and then it was a lot of just all the things i talked about here the healing things the journey i've been on it was that journey and it finally ended in divorce it took I did all my grieving before I even filed for divorce. And then that turned out to be, after that point, a two-year-long process. (laughs) So I'm going to probably look back on this decade and see that as well, because it was a really, it was a significant transformation that I went through. And then fourth was reclaiming my dream of being a writer, of being an author, of... I really would love to get back involved in Hollywood too. But, you know, first things first, get the novel series going, Joe. (laughs) But reclaiming the dream of being a creative person and making a living being creative and having that be enough, having that be who I am. I never could have envisioned that you could make a living doing a podcast. So that was just a wild unexpected development that I appreciate because now that is allowing me to pay my bills while I pursue I say a second career but I feel like they're it's going to be woven together somehow somehow I feel like they go together the kind of books that I'm writing the kind of movies I'm interested in making it's all on theme with what we talk about here like in a non-fiction-y kind of way. It's all that stuff we talk about. I just want to explore that through fiction. I think sometimes fiction and mythology can express these ideas in a way that resonates more deeply with people than when you just talk about it at face value. It's a different language, but it's the same subject that really interests me. You know, people in pursuit of a dream, And the challenges that are involved with that. And I really love a coming of age 
coming of age story. I feel like I'm always coming of age. I'm like the perpetual teenager. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever outgrow that. So those are the four developments, relationships, biz, divorce, reclaiming the dream. The four lessons are, and this is something, these are things I think are universal, so I'm happy to share this. One, do not fight the tower moments of your life. Two, value experience and shared memories over things. I really got into this when I started doing the annual birthday trip with the kid and realizing in traveling to a different city every year for our birthdays, our birthdays are a day apart. I'm the 29th, he's the 30th of September. So we've been taking these trips every year on our birthday. It's really driven home the power of experience and shared memories over possessions, hoarding things, buying new things. I feel like a lot of times that money is better spent on joy, on experience, on seeing something new. And yeah, so I'm really into that. Uh, three, nerd life is a good life. And being cool is lonely and exhausting. <laughs> That's a big life lesson, friends. It took me a long time to learn. Being cool is so overrated. I'm telling you, be a nerd is the way to go. <laughs> Find your nerd tribe. <laughs> Lean into the nerd. That's where the joy is. I really believe that. Four tiny incremental changes compound over time to create big shifts. And I know I don't have to explain that because I've already gone on excessively here about that. And then I just want to circle back around to number one, which is don't fight the tower moments of your life. When something that is a real tower moment, a real shakeup, a real devastating loss, when something like that happens to you, it feels like the end of the world. It feels like the worst thing ever, like the universe is taking something really important away from you and breaking your heart in the process. And then if you just hang with it, if you don't fight it, even if you do fight it a little bit, but if you just, if you just hang with it, if you open your heart to the lessons, if you open your heart to the guidance, if you open your heart to the change, I think you'll find that it turns out to be the greatest gift of your life because it is the gift of you. It is giving you back to yourself. So it is taking something away from you that you do not need anymore going forward or that is preventing you from being who you fully are, your true soul self, like who you were born to be in the world. And I, I truly believe that. I think every tower moment is different, but I think that having an attitude like that, I certainly didn't have an attitude like that when I was first aware of like what a tower moment was. I And for me, it was so literal. Like my whole world was falling apart and I was pretty new to tarot. I was brand new to tarot and I kept pulling the tower card over and over and over again and being like, no. <laughs> No. So that's why I came to call those moments literally like tower moments. I even experimented with having a tower moment on purpose, like purposely designing that in my business. And that was very instructive as well. 
All right, so there's that. There's the decade in review. And then I guess in 2019, I did wear those blinders of sacrifice. I wasn't like really focused on building my biz. Uh, I was hoping to maintain it and I did do that. But there are still a few BizWitch highlights that I wanted to share with you. I launched the Dream Team, <laughs> which is a little cutback of my income. I cut back on my coaching practice and there are now 12 spots on the Dream Team. We have a couple spots open right now if you want to join us. But I started with 10 and I was like, I'm just going to do 10 coaching calls a month. And that is like a cut to my income, but I, it was a sacrifice I wanted to make because I needed the time. I was one of these people that kept saying, I don't have enough time to make my dream happen. And I just got sick of hearing myself say that. And I was like, you know, here I am spending all this time helping other people create the kick-ass life of their dreams while mine gets further and further and further apart. So I made that decision and I love it. And I really really love the dream team. I, I think that's a main highlight of 2019. This is the year that the dream team was born. <laughs> and I really love the people involved in that. And uh, I, I would say for the podcast, interviewing Joanne Harris was a really big deal. I was thrilled to have her on the show. I hope to have more authors of fiction, magical fiction specifically, witchy fiction, but also other kinds of magic. I'm interested in exploring magic through that lens now, through fiction. And I also uh, really enjoyed having Lori Forrest on the show. She wrote the Black Witch Chronicles. It's still in progress, but she's not a hero of mine, but I really enjoyed having, I just liked having these authors on the show and I'm looking forward to doing more of that. And then I also launched the Magic Star. So I did put a program out. I put out an audio journey called the Magic Star. And so that was very cool. Um, what are the other things? Let's do books and movies and then we'll move on to this interview, this chat. It's more of a chat than an interview, I would say, for the patron of the month for December 2019. The books, I read so many books. I saw so many movies. I didn't feel like researching my year. It was just like, what a drag that is. So I'm just going to mention to you the ones that pop to mind immediately and just assume that if they're top of the mind like that, that they're the ones that made the greatest impression in 2019 and that I will be carrying forward with me. One we mentioned during this chat here, Phoebe and I, is The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova. It's epic. It did not come out in 2019, but I read it in 2019. It is captivating, intriguing, sensual. It is about scholars, I guess, the scholar, little team of scholars that go in search of Dracula, real Dracula. So it involves a lot of libraries and a lot of traveling across old Europe. I love the sense of place. And it's very sensual that way. Like you really get a sense of place as they travel around Europe. And I really, really enjoyed the descriptions of some of the rooms that they ended up in and the meals that they had. I love and cannot recommend this book more highly. I love it so much. <laughs> um, and then another one that's kind of weird, and I don't even know how to pronounce the author's name. It's April Genevieve 
Tuchoke? Tuchok? I don't know how to say her last name. It's T-U-C-H-O-L-K-E. I picked up her book, Wink, Poppy Midnight, because of the cover, really. And I was just instantly smitten and then had to immediately go out and get another book. I think it was maybe the first book she ever had published called The Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. Uh, but Wink, Poppy, Midnight is the one that really stands out in my head. And, and I say this is a weird choice because her style, first of all, it's nothing like my own. Uh, I'm very into plot. I think I have a movie-like brain. I really tend to gravitate toward books that are kind of read like a movie. I think that's why I like YA. And that's how I like to write. Uh, but also I say weird because this book is so polarizing. Like some people just hate it. Absolutely hate it. But I don't. <laughs> I love it. It's dark and visceral and sexy in a strange, mysterious way. It is YA also, I should add. Um, and reading her books, it's like, it's like stepping into a mischievous young woman's fever dream. I think that's the best way I can explain it. And you don't exactly know what's happening all the time, but if you're anything like me, you're grooving on the vibe anyway. It's very vibey. And then the Black Witch Chronicles I already mentioned. I really enjoyed this series. It was just fun. It was just a fun YA fantasy series that got its hooks into me. And I decided to invite the author on the show, Lori Forrest. But once I had Lori on the show, I became a bigger fan because I just really liked Lori as a person. And it was one of the most shocking moments on the podcast here. She surprised me. <laughs> she was interrupted. I was interviewing her, talking about her book and being a writer. And I think it was a phone call or something interrupted us. And I had to edit this section out of the podcast because it was noisy and it was a big interruption. And then come to find out, it was because she was at work as a dentist. I had no idea she was a dentist. And something about that just blew my mind that like a professional dentist found the time to write the Black Witch Chronicles, which was also very motivating for me. Like, okay, this woman is a mom and an activist and a dentist. Joe, you have no excuse. You have no excuse. If she can make it happen, you can make it happen. And then... The year ended with me finding my new literary goddess, the queen, Lee Bardugo. I'm so nerdily obsessed with Lee Bardugo. It's disgusting. I'm pretty sure I have scraped the bottom of the internet to listen to and watch and read every interview she's ever done because truly I am the geekiest fangirl for this woman ever. It started with her book, Ninth House, which I've talked a lot about here. I read Ninth House. I really loved it. So I went back in time to read the first book she ever had published, the first book she ever finished, Shadow and Bone. And it felt like a first book. It took me time to get into it, but it's the first book in a trilogy called the... It's called... She says now it's called the Grishaverse, but I have heard her in early interviews say Grisha, and a lot of people online say Grisha. And I said Grisha the last time I mentioned it here, but apparently the correct pronunciation is Grishaverse. Regardless, it's a, it's a series. 
I read Siege and Storm over Christmas. I just finished Season Storm last night. It's, she's an amazing writer. She's a masterful writer. And you really, I would say the second half of Shadow and Bone, you start to see her get her legs. And then by Siege and Storm, you're like, whoo, what a ride, what a ride. Yes, you feel like you're in such good hands. And I read the last few chapters of Siege and Storm in this like very feverish, ah, don't want to put it down kind of way that I love. I love, that's what I always want to feel. That's what I'm hoping for when I'm wandering the bookstore. Like, please, what book will give me these feels? And sometimes you have to hang with a book before you can get there. And I'm really glad that I, I hung with the first book in the series. And now I am on to Ruin and Rising. I've only read the first chapter, but that is the first trilogy. But no, 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 it does not stop there because then there's the Six of Crows duology, which also takes place in the Grishaverse. And then in January of 2019, there is the King of Scars, which also takes place in the Grishaverse. So I have a lot to look forward to. I'm very happy about it. I was wandering around Barnes & Noble the other day. They had a buy two for $8 sale. Some good stuff, like Nora Roberts' new witch series. I forget the name of it. But the first book in that series. And then who's that Sarah Addison? She wrote Garden Spells, that lady. She writes witchy books. One of her books. Those were in my my arms. And I was walking around collecting books from this sale. It was like a post-Christmas sale. And I was like, what am I doing I've developed a conscience about the money I spend on books. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. <laughs> I just compared this. My friend Amy and I and Marla, we went to go see Little Women last night. And I was talking about my how much money I spend on books. And I was comparing myself to Sarah Jessica Parker, her character Carrie in Sex in the City. There's like this devastating moment where she's going over her finances and realizing she has no retirement. And then I forget what the number is, but she realizes she's spent like $30,000 on shoes, like some crazy amount of money on shoes because she has this thing for designer shoes. <laughs> so she's basically like homeless with shoes. And I feel like that's kind of me with books. I've really been paying attention to my friends who use libraries and wondering like, could I ever be a library person? I don't know, but I want to be more mindful about it. I have quite a few books sitting around that I have not read. So tentatively, don't hold me to this. Do not hold me to this because I, it could really fall to shit. This is not a commitment I'm making, but it's a semi-tentative plan <laughs> that I will not buy any new books. This is not going to happen. I'm going to say it anyway. I will not buy any new books in 2020 except to finish Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse and the Black Witch Chronicles when the next book comes out in the Black Witch Chronicles. Otherwise, I have more than enough books that I have not read to get me through the rest of the year. And if I were a responsible book nerd, I would see that promise through. Well, let's see if I can do it. Let's see if I can do it. All right. And then just quickly, my favorite movies this year... I did not see Joker on purpose. I just, there's something sad in Joaquin Phoenix's eyes in general that makes me love him. It's why I think he's 
not it's not why I think he's one of our most phenomenal actors, but it's uh, the extra spice that makes I don't know one of his performances any number of his performances extra riveting and compelling. And for me, feeling sorry for someone is an emotional trigger I try to avoid because it will hang with me for a very long time and disturb me. And from what I could see in the trailers, it looked amazing. His performance looks like it's awesome and worthy of all the praise it's getting. But I just thought, I don't, I think that's really going to disturb me and make me feel bad. So I chose not to see it. I really want to see Knives Out. I'm bummed that I haven't seen it yet. Like I said, I saw Little Women last night. I really enjoyed it. I can't say it was one of my favorite movies of the year, but I see why it's getting so much attention and praise. And then the night before that, these are my two nights that I had free on my Christmas vacation. The night before that, I went and saw Uncut Gems. And I didn't even know if I liked it when I left the theater. So I definitely can't list it as a favorite movie of 2019. It's a trip. It's Adam Sandler deserves all of the accolades that he's going to get for this starring role. There are Julia Fox. Oh, my God. She's amazing. This is the first movie she's ever been in. She has the best ass I've ever seen in my life, which I know is sexist. And I am objectifying her. But if you see that movie... You cannot look me in the eye and say that you did not notice that ass. What the hell, woman? <laughs> I'm like, uh, goals, 2020, squat every day. I shall squat. <laughs> and then there's another actor. I can't think of his name. He was a main character. He was the guy that kept bringing, he was like the middleman that would bring the famous like basketball stars into Adam Sandler's jewelry shop to make deals. That guy was incredible. And he's in this new movie called Photograph. I wish I could remember his name, but I can't. Okay. Are you still listening? Who cares about this? Who cares about this, Joe? I don't know. I'm going to go fast. All right. I'm going to go fast. My favorite movies of 2019 are Book Smart by far. I absolutely loved Book Smart. I loved The Peanut Butter Falcon. That is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. It touched me deeply. It might be one of my favorite movies of the decade. I really adored the movie Yesterday, which surprised me. It's a happy, feel-good movie beginning to end. I really enjoyed the, the premise of it, and I feel like they lived up to the premise of it. I liked this movie that nobody talked about. It has made none of the best of lists or box office smash success lists or anything like that. It's a movie called Ready or Not that I saw with my friend Amber and I loved it. It's super gory, but it hung with me. It's really weird about this new bride that... She has to play this game with her family and come to find out the game is they're all trying to kill her. They have to sacrifice her by the end of the night to keep the family going, basically. And it's this like cat and mouse kind of thing in this old house. And I really loved it. I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then two that kind of go together in my mind. I loved Hustlers. I talked a lot about it here. And then one that zero people agree with me about is Charlie's Angels. I loved it. I had the best time. I tried to get other people to see it, but 
I don't have that kind of power. <laughs> so it was a bomb, but I loved it. And I will list it as my favorite, one of my favorite movies of 2019. And then there's one honorable mention that I'm so mad at myself for not seeing this in the movie theaters when it first came out. It's an honorable mention because I saw it on, I forget what, Amazon Prime or Netflix. It's Sleeping with Other People starring Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie. And I'm obsessed with it. And I'm going to see it over and 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 over again. Just like I have with like all my favorite romantic comedies. But this one is so smart. The dialogue is insane. It's very sophisticated. It's very sexy, but it's definitely a romantic comedy. The reason I didn't see it when it came out in the theaters is because I thought it was kind of making fun of cheating on someone. And I don't think that's funny, damn it. I take that very personally, but it's not what it's about at all. It's not what it's about. <laughs> I was wrong. And it is about these borderline sex addicty people. I mean, they really like sex and they like sleeping around and it's a romantic comedy about them falling in love. It's so damn good. I loved it. And then in the land of TV, only three shows stand out that I just have to mention and give a shout out to because I loved them so much. Stranger Things 3 on Netflix because I'm in love with a teenager, which is really embarrassing. I think in real life he's in his 20s. But Steve, I love Steve so much <laughs> from Stranger Things. It's ridiculous. And he had a lot of airtime. And I just love the show, Stranger Things. I love the 80s-ness of it. I love, I love it all. I love the whole thing. I love, 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 loved Fosse Verdon on FX and watched that breathlessly. I did not know who Gwen Verdon was before I watched that, and it gave me an appreciation of this woman. It's partly why my word is groovy of the year, because she sings this version of feeling groovy that's... I just watched everything Gwen Verdon that I could find on YouTube when the show Fosse Verdon was airing on on FX. <laughs> and I just became a fan. And I love that performance of her performing Feeling Groovy on the Carol Burnett show a million years ago. I love it. So that's partly to blame for my word of the year. And then finally, Songland on NBC. I'm not a big reality show person. But this is the real deal. These are songwriters. Oh, it's so cool. It's so exciting because it's a few songwriters. They go on each episode. They share a song that they've written. They present it to the industry's best producers, like excellent producers who have worked with the top pop stars and rock stars and country music stars in the industry. They listen to the songs, then they give them feedback and help them shape up the songs into something that they think is commercial and marketable. And then there's always a famous person on the show, a band or a solo artist that is, picks one of their songs to put on their next album. It's so exciting because it's real. You know what I mean? Like the prize isn't like $100,000 and in front of a live studio audience. It's just these producers working with these songwriters, 
good songwriters. Some of them really impressed the hell out of me. And then some of these songs actually rocked the charts and made a lot of money. So I, it was just picked up this fall for season two on NBC. Songland. Please watch it. Please watch it so it can go on. I don't know. Again, I have no power. I couldn't get people to get out and watch Charlie's Angels. And if, if you did go see it and you hated it, I apologize. But Songland, I will stand by. It's so awesome. It's awesome. And so is my friend Phoebe Miller. I apologize to Phoebe for this long-ass ramble leading up to her interview. <laughs> I don't know what I can say about Phoebe. She is down to earth, super cool, has a quiet kind of wisdom. I'm going to link here to her Instagram account and her Redbubble shop if you're interested in checking her out online but that is not why she came on the show we are not here to promote anything i just wanted to share my friend with you so without any further ado at last here she is phoebe miller hello phoebe welcome to hippie witch hello joanna <laughs> it seems really funny to say that to you because have you been have I known you since the beginning of Hippie Witch, the podcast? I feel like I have. I think so. Yeah. yeah. You're one of those people that I have known behind the scenes, I feel like, forever, because internet years are like dog years. I just feel like I've known you my whole life. I've known you my whole Hippie Witch life, that's for sure. Yes, definitely. This past year alone seems like 10 years. Right, doesn't it? I, people say, oh, the year went by so fast. And I'm like, I don't feel like it did. I feel like tons happened. And I don't know why that was my experience of it, but I'm not sad about it. I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just briefly tell people who you are. You are many, many things. You're a super creative person. But if people wanted to like geek out on who you are online, you are a photographer. You do nature photography, and you are a fan fiction author. Yes. Do you identify more with one than the other, or are they both just quintessentially Phoebe and you can't separate them out from each other? More writer than yeah. photographer. Yeah. And you write fan fiction for, well, you tell me. I don't want to put words <laughs> in your mouth. What do you write fan fiction for, lady? I write fan fiction for Hawaii Five-O. And you used to for Bones, a show called yeah. Bones. Yes, I used to, used to write for Bones. Okay, fan I have fiction. so many questions about this. First of all, why fan fiction? I don't know. Well, what is the appeal for you? Why are you attracted to that? You've done so many. You've written over 50 now just for Hawaii Five-O alone. I like the characters, and sometimes episodes don't feel finished or they didn't end how I wanted them to end. Mm -hmm. So that was the draw, I guess. Yeah. I started reading it for Grey's Anatomy a long time ago and then started writing with Bones. So did you write Grey's Anatomy fan no. fiction? No, I read it from people that I met online and yeah, I was in a fan group who watched episodes for ABC and met people through that who wrote fan fiction. It's like this whole other world, this whole community of fan fiction readers and writers that 
I don't know if the rest of us are really aware of what you all are up to because you're making straight characters gay and making <laughs> endings that did not happen happen and things are happening over there that I don't think the rest of us even have a clue about. I'm not really even as involved as some people. Some fandoms are a lot more, I don't know why I say serious than others, but like for Harry Potter, I mean, that's a whole huge world and Twilight, oh, yeah. stuff like that, but. It's crazy to think that we got Fifty Shades of Grey because of Twilight. Yes, I read that when it was just a fan fiction. Oh, you did? What did you, what did you think? You don't want to know. <laughs> I do. You know what? That's one everybody loves to hate on, both Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Uh, I well, wonder, yeah. why do you think that grabbed people? Is it just the fantasy of it? Like, there could be bad, bad, poorly written fan fiction, but if it is touching on this shared fantasy that enough people have, it can actually lead to a huge success. It's really interesting to me. Exactly. Yep. It's the fantasy. It's the romance or perceived romance. Yeah. Not my thing, but lots of people love it. Right. Well, what is it about, what is it about Hawaii Five O? I think probably the actors, the chemistry yeah, that the actors have. And, yeah, I just, I couldn't help myself. This might be a weird question to ask, but it popped into my head, so I'm going to ask it. Okay. Is it like is it like playing Barbies when you're a kid? Because you have <laughs> these, you have these characters, and it's, you get to make them do whatever you want them to do. Is that part of the thrill of it? Yes, I, yeah, that that explains it. Yes, sort of. Yeah, because there are other people's creations. It's that it takes half of the work out of it yeah. for me. So they, the characters come pretty much fully assembled. Right. So you're having this tea party over here with Barbie, and then you're like, and all of a sudden, here comes GI Joe, and he's crashing the party, and he's spilling the tea. Like you can do whatever you want. Exactly. Do they do that, like, where there's crossover? So somebody's writing Hawaii Five-0, and then all of a sudden they're bringing in characters from some other series? Yes, yeah. People do that. Oh, fan fiction crossover? I've seen Harry Potter and Hawaii Five-0 together. Oh, my God. <laughs> and just other shows, too, other, and, like, Marvel Comics and you name it, people have done crossovers. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me, too. You have many, many different facets to your personality, and you're an author. You, you're writing your own novel series right now, too, I should add, and I'm super excited to get to read that one day. But you write this fan fiction for, I mean, Bones and Hawaii Five-0. Those are both very serious, well, playful, I guess, but... It's about what? Solving a mystery? Crime drama? Yeah, that... crime. And then yeah, you're really, good. really involved in nature. You're a huge nature lover, a huge animal lover, a big part of the witchy community. And you would think that you'd gravitate toward Harry Potter fan fiction or something like that. But I like that there's these different facets to your personality. And before we got on to talk right now, I was thinking about you. I can only think of a few people like this, maybe a dozen people in my experience who are kind of like the backbone of the online witchy community, but 
nobody knows except creators, I think, and other people that are really involved in the communities. Like you are super supportive. You will buy a reading from a brand new tarot reader or brand new astrologer and you will, you go out of your way to support creators. Is that intentional? Is that deliberate or does it just kind of happen that way? Um, I, I guess both, especially if I already know the person, I want to support them. And sometimes I'm just interested in whatever it is somebody's doing. Right. Whatever they're offering. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a support. I feel like there's a supportive thing going on there though, too, that like sometimes you're just doing it to be supportive. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, I appreciate that about you. I've seen it. I've watched you do it a lot with not just me, not just my work, but other people. And I'm like, that is so cool. We have like these little pillars of the community that are just sort of fly under the radar. You're not really flashy. You're not calling attention to yourself, but you're there. And I don't think that we would have this online community without people like you. Aw, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make, and making friends with people behind the scenes and... I know, like, you you dipped out of Discord, which is our little community for Patreon for a while, and it was like, where's Phoebe? Where's Phoebe? Where did Phoebe go? Where is she coming back? Where did he, like, people notice. People notice because you're just one of those people that I, people really, I think, resonate with, which is interesting because, like I said, you're not flashy. You don't call a lot of attention to yourself, but there's just something real, I think, about you that comes across even on a forum, you know, where we're just chit-chatting in text. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you know who those other people are? Like you connect and then you end up seeing each other in like this community and that community, like over the years that you form connections with people that way? Yeah, there's a few, a few people who've always kind of been there. You've done interviews with a couple of them. Yeah. I like doing this. I like... I don't know. They're just every podcast just has the same kind of big, not every, but often podcasts will have the same big authors on again and again and again, or the same movie stars or whatever it is. And I love that. I really, really enjoy that as a fan. But also I just know from what I do that there's all these other amazing people <laughs> that if I can drag them onto the show, I feel like listeners would like to get to know as well. And I'm so glad you let me drag you onto the show today. Yes, here we come. Silence. (laughs) This is a signature Phoebe move that I'm well aware of, except I'm just going to edit out the long pauses of silence. (laughs) Good, they don't play well. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what is that? Why do you do that? Is that like a thoughtful thing? Are you a person who thinks a lot before you speak? A little bit. And I'm also making sure that you are done speaking. Oh. Before I start talking. That might never, that never happens. You know, I have to like deliberately do that when I'm talking to you on the phone. I have to be like, shut up, Joanna. Make some space. Make some space. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I know you're talking to us from outside as well. And I think it's really interesting where you live. I'm not saying, can you give us your address, but can you give us kind of an idea of where you live? I am about an hour northwest of Baltimore, Maryland, mm-hmm. on the East Coast. 
of the U.S. And it's south, just south of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. If anybody's a Civil War buff. Yeah, but. you have ghosts over there, don't you? Oh yeah, they're everywhere. But yeah, Gettysburg's big for ghost tours. Have you ever seen one? Uh, not at Gettysburg, no. What did but we talk I was... about? I had you on. We talked about ghosts. I feel like it was on Patreon. Was that yeah. on Patreon when we talked about ghosts? What was? Okay, yeah. tell us your ghost story, lady. I want to know. Um, well, I think it was a ghost, but when I was a little kid at an event with my parents at an American Legion, an old, really old place, American Legion Hall, I talked to briefly someone that I thought was just in costume as a Revolutionary War soldier, but nobody knew what I was talking about whenever I tried to figure out who the man was. I was probably eight or nine when that happened. Weirded me out. It's so fun. (laughs) Now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now looking back. Yeah, that area has a lot of, like, Revolutionary War soldiers settled in where my grandparents live in Pennsylvania, so wouldn't be weird. Do people around there talk about that? Like, that's just a fact of life? Everybody believes in ghosts? Or is that, like, pretty out there and woo-woo? That building, yes, I found out later, was said to be haunted. It's a pretty old stone. It's always been a either like a Masonic lodge or an American Legion place, like meeting place. Wow. So, yeah, it's haunted. I didn't know that as a kid, but... Yeah, and you just say that like that's a fact. So you clearly just believe ghosts are a fact. Yeah, I mean, why not? No one's proved they don't. Exactly. Yeah, what do you think they are? Do you think they're actual entities or, like, they're photographs kind of like? I don't know how to explain that, but, you know, like, some people will say, oh, we're just seeing something on a loop that plays again and again and again. There's not really a soul there or a spirit. And then other people will be like, nope, that's grandma. I think there's both, like, especially places where there's certain kinds of stone that could maybe record things, like quartz like we use in other things to record. It could be something replaying, or it could be some kind of energy. You know, I I don't know. It's kind of fun to have an open mind. Yeah, I've interviewed enough people who speak with the dead that I'm just thinking, like, this person sounds completely sane to me, and, like, they have full confidence in what they're saying, and there's enough people that have written books and done TV shows about this. Like, are we saying they're all liars? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it just seems to be a phenomenon that has followed us throughout the generations. Uh, Some of them are probably making stuff up on some of those TV shows. but Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'll have to share with you my story, a short story I have about a lady trying to get on to a ghost hunters type show, (laughs) but she does (laughs) in regards to her little kid that she has. Kind of disturbing, but I'll have to share it with you sometime. (laughs) I take it she's a liar. Oh, yeah. She wants to get on it because she has a crush on one of the lead investigators. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that happens. People... (laughs) Especially, I notice a lot of those shows take place in hotels, for example, and it's good business to say you have a haunted hotel. Yeah. 
That seems to be a theme I've noticed. I went through a phase. I know who Chip Coffee is. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then I'm totally jumping around here, but we don't really have an agenda today, so I feel like I can freely jump around. I really, again, I just wanted people to get to know you a little bit because I think you're a magical person, one of my favorite people that I've gotten to know through being online. And so why not share that? But I, you also live in nature was my point. And you yeah. have a, a higher than average, I would say, understanding of herbs and plants, which I find really interesting. And then, like I said, you are really supportive to the witchy community, which probably extends to other communities, but I just know you from this particular community. But I'm wondering, do you yourself identify as a witch? Like, what is, you know, because we're talking about ghosts, you're talking about stones recording things, and you're a huge nature lover. Like, what is all that? I don't know. I don't like labels. So I don't want to, I mean, I guess maybe pagan, but I don't know for sure. There's a lot of things that I like from all different kinds of traditions and religions. So I try to be respectful and not take things from things I don't know well. But I don't know. I don't have a label. I come from a Catholic background, so that might inform some of my choices, even though I'm not practicing anymore. But What do you mean? Know. Like the ritual of it? The Well... I have a thing for, like, Mother Mary statues and the rosary sometimes that I will go back to occasionally when I'm really stressed, but I'm not Catholic. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just, like, the great mother thing, but I collect Mother Mary statues. I think that's something a lot of people would relate to here. And I I always say Catholicism is like the most pagan Christianity there is. <laughs> it's oh, the, yeah. It's the witchiest form. Well, maybe not when I think about like Gnosticism and stuff like that and mystical Christianity. But those, just the ceremony, the ritual, the accessories, the smoke, uh, the goddess, you know, being in Mother Mary and all of that, that it just feels very witchy to me. Yes. Yep. I had neighbors who were some form of brethren who weren't allowed to play with me as a kid because I was Catholic, because we worshipped the goddess. Oh, those might have been my people. Yeah, they were. I forget what kind of brethren. They, weren't they were Mennonite. almost they weren't. Mennonite, but not. Oh. Like one step up. Grace Brethren, maybe? I, I don't. They were very lovely people, but they did not like Catholics. <laughs> we did not either. You all were going to hell when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did not like you. We would pray for you. <laughs> oh, exactly. They they witnessed they, they witnessed to me all the time. <laughs> yeah. Our, that was like my first big rebellion as my very, very best friend growing up was Catholic. And that was really outside the box for us. We were supposed to be friends and date people like, you know, like us, people like us. But, you yep. know, she was a soulmate friend. There's not a lot you can do about that with a kid like me. <laughs> we're going to do what we're going to do. 
<laughs> Isn't it funny to think of the similarities between these religions that have these huge rifts between them, rifts of judgment? And it's like, well, you're you're kind of just, you know, we're talking about Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah. Like there's a thousand ways to reach the same thing, you know? Yeah. Is that a Rumi poem or something? Eh, a thousand probably. ways to kneel. Yeah. I yeah, know. I like all that stuff. What other things inspire you spiritually? What other traditions? Uh, I like some Buddhist stuff, some chant. And yeah. just the idea of not getting, trying not to get attached to things, and which is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the paradox of having a Mother Mary collection. <laughs> <laughs> and then practicing the law of detachment says the hoarder lady who has more books than anybody should ever be allowed. Oh yeah, I have a lot of books too, but I get rid of I donate books every year I try and reduce them. Yeah, I feel like you're far more mindful about that than I am. If I read it, I want it. Ah. Uh, nah, I use the library first. <laughs> I think it's like wearing my brain on the outside. I like to be like, oh, I remember when I read that book. And sometimes I read them again. If it's nonfiction, to me, it's just research material that I might use for the podcast or some program someday. Yes, yeah. There's certain things I read. Yeah. And then that's another point of connection for us. You are responsible for, is this my favorite book of the year? I think Knight's Knight's House and The Historian Tie for my favorite books of 2019. And The Historian did not come out in 2019, but that's when I read it because of you. Yes, very good book. Yeah, and I I trust your taste. I, I, you do not trust mine. both ways but again you are a more discerning person I feel like you're very deliberate in the things that you do and I'm more just like woohoo I like this cover let's give it a read <laughs> hey I actually started ninth house I finally yeah. got it so oh nice I'm excited to hear what you think we should also say that Phoebe is our book club queen we wouldn't have a book club if it wasn't for you over on patreon Yes. Well, what is the thing with books? Do you remember when you became a book nerd, like a real book lover? Is that is that so buried in your past you can't identify a spot? Or was there a special book that really sparked your that path for you? The first book I remember reading as a little kid was Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Oh. It became the movie The Secret of Nim mm-hmm. way back in the early 80s, I think. That movie is weird and scary for some kids. I might be one of those kids. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, it was weird. And I read, I end, I read the book because of the movie. Okay, so you, you leaned into the weird. Yep. And that's very oh, magical. I was bored. Oh, you're bored. <laughs> But, I was I mean, bored as a kid. There's any number of things you could have done, but I think you are a true book nerd. Therefore, you would have ended up on that path one way or the other. Oh, yeah, Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. 
Yeah, those books are so magical. That explains, too, maybe, although I guess it's the chicken and the egg. What comes first, your resonance with magic or books? Maybe they're not separable. I don't, I don't know. I've always liked to read, always had a really good imagination. Thus, you are a writer. Yeah. Do you think imagination comes into play with photography, or are you more just capturing a moment? I don't really think about it. I see something, and I want to like try and get the shot with pictures, with, mm-hmm. with my photography. And you have a red bubble shop, too. Yes, I do. I need to add more pictures to it. Yeah, I love that. I love Redbubble, first of all, is an excellent company. I like their quality, and I like that they handle returns. If there's a return, I don't need to know about it. I haven't sold enough stuff to know. <laughs> well, if somebody buys a T-shirt and it's too small, I, they uh, don't, they're not. I used to have a business where I made the T-shirts myself, silk, silk screened them, and now I have a bunch of them in my garage because I found out that really sucks. <laughs> it's like doing the returns if somebody needs a different size or something like that. And yeah. print on demand used to be kind of cheap quality wasn't that great but Redbubble there are other companies that do it now too but it, they have a great quality product and then they handle all that business for you which I love is the photography something you just do as a hobby or that you have some ambition behind it's mostly a hobby do you have ambition for anything I feel like maybe you're not a very outwardly directed, ambitious person. I would like to publish my stories. Yeah. And sell them. Yes, I would like to be a published with my own stories author. Right. And you do. I've read some of your unique work. Is unique the right word? What am I trying to say? Your original. Original. There we go. That's but it is unique. (laughs) It it is unique and it is original. I feel like you have a dark sense of humor that comes out too sometimes in your work. Yes. A little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. When did you start writing? Um I remember uh, I think it was second grade. We watched these goofy, like, cartoons. I forget what the name of the main... It was in school, and I forget what the name of the character was, but you had to basically finish a scene for an assignment whenever the little show, little clip they would show in reading class was over. And that's when I first started writing stories. My finishing the scene became, like, big... (laughs) Big story. That's so weird. That's what you're doing today. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. That is so trippy. Well, that would make sense why you feel comfortable in fan fiction, even though you do have this other world that you've created that's original to you. It would make yeah. sense that you feel comfortable there if that's where you first were inspired and found I'm, your groove. I'm good at picking up other people's voices, I guess, maybe. Hmm. I wrote a continuation of The Old Man and the Sea for a contest in high school and won. Oh, that's interesting. 
Yeah, I wish I knew where that was, but it was basically just extending it because I didn't like the way it ended. So <laughs> I made my own ending. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be a thing with you. <laughs> what can we look forward to with your own original work? Is that something that's so far down the pipeline you'll have to come back to talk about that another time? So I'm hoping this year to maybe a book of a couple of my short stories. Oh, that would be good. It's definitely going to put up a website. Well, make it public. I have a website make yeah. it public, and I would like to actually help other people with their writing. Yeah, I feel like as, you'd be good at well, that. Yeah, I already, I, well, I do that with other fan fiction writers to an extent. Mm-hmm. I'm a beta reader, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, well, it would be good to get paid for that. It's a talent, yeah. you, ha- it's a talent you have, for sure. But, you know, I'll do it anyway, but, yeah, it would be nice to pay for groceries once in a while or something for sure yeah I don't think I'm a very critical reader I feel like I am just like I, I'm on the author's side I want to love it especially because I buy all my books I don't rent them from the library I'm like I paid $17 for this thing damn it I will get my money's worth so if I give up on a book that's very unusual and I'm just looking for a ride you know what I mean? Or an escape or just an experience. And then when it's over, if you ask me why I like it, I will ramble my ass off because I don't know why I liked it. It's a feeling for me. Whereas I feel like you have a more critical mind and you're like, well, I liked this and this and this, this worked, but this did not. And then, you know, this part left me wanting and I don't, I don't really think like that. I don't always. I just, I don't know. I want, when I'm helping other people, I want them to be the best that they can be. So I help them do that. I'm weird about word choices, word usage, and just how it feels basically with how you wrote it and structure it. Because more than just the words on the page, I'm usually hearing it in my head and especially dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yes. Are you a fan of reading your work out loud? No. <laughs> no. No. Why do we always disagree? <laughs> I dropped out of a writing group because that's what they wanted you to do is everybody sat around and would read their writing out loud. And I'm like, no. Mm-mm. Oh, I don't mean to other people. I just mean to yourself oh. before you. Oh, even to done. myself. Uh, uh, I hear it in my head, I guess. So I don't read it out loud. Uh, when I read it out loud, I notice things that I don't when it's in my head. Like things will sound more awkward or I'll notice. I don't know why I do this. I just leave whole words out <laughs> or, I'll repeat, I do that. or I'll repeat words like not, not when there should only be one not Joe. I don't know why I do that, but I can only see it when I say it. It's very strange. Well, you think it's there already, so. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why I like to have a good reader, like somebody else to look at my stuff, mm-hmm. which is, has been difficult at times to find somebody. And I have a couple people now that I can rely on when they're not busy. But, you know, that's tough when we're adults and everybody's got lives. But, yeah, I like to have a good reader. 
how do you find someone you trust? I don't think I'm very trusting that way. Like, I don't want somebody to tear me off course because they have different tastes than I do, or they have a different expectation or because they just have a lot of ego and feel like they need to get their hands in the pie, no matter what I've written. Like, how do you find a person that you trust? I usually give them a test piece mm. to see how, what they tell me about something. Mm-hmm. Start off small and see if we gel, basically, you know, if I agree with them. Because it's style more than anything, because I've helped people with their writing and we totally did not get along. I've never heard from them again, you know, that kind of thing. But Oh, yeah. It's sensitive. Some, yeah. Sometimes people will say, yeah, I'll read your stuff, and my big test is if they don't, because then, you know, it's like, okay, mm-mm. you're not touching my stuff again. You said you'd read it, and you didn't. Yeah, yeah. People want to be polite, and they don't know how to say no, I think, so they would rather just leave you hanging. Yeah, it's like, no, just be honest. That's a big thing. Just If you don't like it or don't have the time, don't agree to it. It won't hurt my feelings. yeah. Yeah. It seems like you've formed a community that way based on, I think, fan fiction primarily. A little, yeah, a little. I have a strange question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, do you feel like, I was going to ask you what your secret for this is because that's what I always ask, but I'm wondering, do you feel like you're living the kick ass life of your dreams right now? No. I know you are in some aspects. I know you have like this. Yeah, you have a beautiful marriage that's really inspiring and sweet. I feel like I'm on the edge of it. Mm-hmm. Like the dream that I have told you about that I keep having about going down the hallway and seeing the light behind the door, but I haven't gotten to that door to open it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that recurring thing that I keep having. So not quite, but I feel like it's in reach. What's behind the door? What's behind the door? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't feel like it's a bad thing. So, hey. Oh, no. No. Yeah. It's such an interesting metaphor, I think, for a lot of us. Yeah. I think I can relate to you that way. I know what my dream is, but I feel like (laughs) if mine were like a nighttime dream, it would just be the hall just gets longer and longer and longer. I'm like, see the dang light. And I'm like walking down this hall that just gets longer and longer. You're getting there. You're working on your your story. Yep. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I think that's why I have a lot of affection for you too, because we've ran a similar, a parallel track that way, I would say. (laughs) It's always good to have friends on the journey. You know, you might not be on the same path, but you're on parallel paths and you can wave over every once in a while and be like, Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Would you like a drink of water? (laughs) Well, you're definitely an inspiration with your dedication especially to your finishing your novel series then oh i hope i live up to that i really hope i live up to that and you already are even if you never finish it you know finish it you are you already are so yeah she was very stubborn and persistent it will say on my gravestone (laughs) (laughs) i kept 
going. <laughs> she kept going. <laughs> well, I think you're really inspiring too. That's why I was excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for helping me end 2019 on a high note. You're welcome. <laughs> Yay. Is there any parting words? I, I don't know if it would be related to creating the kick-ass life of your dreams, but maybe just to live a satisfying, happy life. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have a favorite quote you love, a guiding principle? Yeah. You know me. I don't know. Silence. <laughs> Silence is Golden by Phoebe Miller. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Yay! So that's Phoebe. That's my little decade in review, year in review. Happy New Year to you! I hope that all is well in your world. I will be back here at the end of January with another one of these kind of ramble slash Patreon, patron of the month kind of things. And then the very first season of our new format is starting around Imolk. So early February, I will be back with our first season. I'm very excited about that. Until we meet again, happy new year. Much love to you. Peace.